Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Katie Barnwell on the blessings of translating the Bible and why it's such an important ministry. And I think that's one of the things, that is maybe the main thing that keeps you motivated, that you see people understanding the scripture and responding to it. You see people growing in their commitment to the Lord, coming to know the Lord, and of course also growing, keeping on growing because they have the Word of God that they can go back to personally. Katie Barnwell, next. Today, we continue our conversation with linguist Dr. Katie Barnwell. She spent decades working on seeing the Bible translated into the Mbembe language in Nigeria. She served with Wycliffe Bible Translators there from 1964 to 1989. Today, she does most of her collaborative translation work on Zoom from her home in Goring in the United Kingdom. She's a translation consultant with SIL International and an advisor with The Seed Company. She's well-known in translation circles for her book, Bible Translation, an introductory course in translation principles. Katie, although your time in Nigeria was mostly peaceful, I'd think, it was, however, interrupted by crime, by being robbed. Tell us about it. We had robbers broke in when we were having a workshop, and they stole all our computers. <laughs> <laughs> but even that, God turned to good because we, um, we, ha- we had backed up which was one mercy. Uh, We had everything on the backup stick, and the backup stick was not taken. (laughs) And then also because other people heard what had happened and and loaned loaned us computers so that we were able to keep going. So God turns everything to good. And and I'm wondering, too, a slightly different direction, but can you tell us about the seed company and then the translation work you did for them for the Jesus film, that film which has been used for worldwide evangelization. Well, that was a, that was a great opportunity, and it's a beautiful example of how organizations can work together. What had happened was it was actually I was coming to the end of the ten years in the international translation department at SIL, so I was sort of ready for a new and moving to something new, and. Um, the Israel uh, was approached by the Jesus film people because they had they, their goal is to translate the Jesus film into every language. Um, but they discovered that um, it wasn't easy to translate the Jesus film. That um, especially when it was a language that hadn't been written down, and also that the translating the tr- translators hadn't been trained to translate so that, you know, it didn't communicate well, and the the films were disappointing. And so they asked, how could we work together to train people so that they could do the Jesus film? So we developed a partnership, and um, the Seed Company, which is really a branch of Wycliffe Wycliffe Bible Translators, was invited to sort of be the, the particular partner with the Jesus film people in this. So that was how I moved 
to be assigned to the seed company for in order to work on the development of this um, what we called Luke partnership. Um, what we did was to basically look, address languages which, you see, they, the Jesus film people were wanting to address every language. I don't think they realized to begin with how many languages there were either. <laughs> but um, we, to, 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 we were able to provide help and partnership in um, helping to write down the language because uh, you know, to do the Jesus film without writing the down language down was almost impossible because you had to get uh, get the rights, you know, the length that to match the the the, the lips, the words had to match the speakers. <laughs> That's pretty daunting. <laughs> so, um, so we uh, had developed a uh, a plan so that we would languages which we we were both all wanting to work in, and said, okay, that this can be a good beginning for work in a language and help to write the language down. And then we said, all right, then we'll start translation with the Gospel of Luke, which is what the Jesus film uses as their basis. So that providing the training and producing the Gospel of Luke. But then uh, the assumption, the expectation was that many languages would want to go on and do more than the Jesus film, and that was what happened that having had tasted with one gospel, they went on, and many of those languages are now doing full Bibles. It was a partnership of that kind. And we also, a new thing that we started doing was doing groups of languages, because it, we found that we could, languages in certain areas, you know, there are, that you could see there were a relationship and often what had happened, in fact, was that there was one language, but then often because there was out of shortage of land or shortage of river, shortage of water, or, or fighting between inner groups for one reason or another, so one group would, sep would separate and go and live somewhere else a little bit further away. But then, of course, once they were separated, the, la different, the language developed in a different way and became gradually... First of all, a different dialect, but then first a different language. So that's how languages spread. Um, you, you can see the relationships, but this, they soon become different languages. So anyway, we, we found it was possible to identify groups of related languages and have training programs for several languages at the same time. And uh, so that was also a way of speeding up the work. And, uh, and often what happened too, which I think I may have mentioned, the um, what the neighboring languages would hear about what was happening in their, their neighbor language mm -hmm. and say, we want that too. And uh, we saw that well with the Mbembe. Um, there, there was two languages we both wanted the translation, and there was another language nearby which didn't have anything yet. And I said, "Hey, why are we why are we being missed out?" So um, it was a good way of getting several language groups working together, and sometimes having workshops. We might have a workshop on one particular book, and uh, it could have people from all the different languages um, com combined. So it was, again, a matter of cooperation and working together, but that also helped to speed up reaching more languages. Speaking of speeding up, uh, Katie, can you talk about 
uh, the, the modern tools of, well, things like obviously computers and algorithms and uh, AI, uh, if that plays any role, yes. I mean. Oh, yes, I think I, this is something, something I was starting to talk about earlier. Yes, because you mentioned how, um, you know, you and I are able to do things more over over the visually and so on. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, with what I'm doing with Mbembe at the moment is that uh, we use Zoom and we can have two or three translators the other end working together and I'm I'm in this country but we can see each other. Mm-hmm. Now it's not quite as good as being face to face actually in person but it's still pretty good and it's possible to check translations that way. And it does help a lot to see each other's faces and uh, to have that communication. Um, you know, so in one sense, I visit Nigeria most days uh, through Zoom. Well, Katie, does the technology, computers, or whatever it might be, does it actually help you in the translation process, or does it still come down to the hard uh, work that you need to do? No, people have worked hard. Well, I mentioned the Paratex program, which, uh, you know, you've got the translator can have on his screen, can easily access different English translations to compare and the original, uh, the original Greek or Hebrew, and also have a window where they can, where they can draft the translation. And then that's easily, it could be uh, sent over Zoom uh, to... Uh, different members of the team and exchanged and uh, suggestions you can add notes suggestions and then the team will discuss and decide which which what they prefer in the end so that kind of technology does help now there are problems sometimes things can go wrong of course and in internet is not always as available as you might wish mm-hmm but there's improvements all the time, and it's an amazing difference from 10 years ago even. Yeah. I mean, I think God has opened up the way for the work to get done. For the, that it is his plan that every language will be, uh, have heard the scripture, have, have heard the gospel, have heard of Jesus Christ. And uh, that is where we've got the means to speed up the work now. Mm. Now, kind of zooming out a little bit uh, globally, do you have an idea of how many people uh, roughly around the world are involved in this work of Bible translation and oh. how many languages still have yet to have Scripture, uh, even a portion of Scripture? I fear I might be inaccurate. I'd rather hes- hesitate to uh, to say. I mean, well, for Nigeria, they say there's still... 200 languages mm. to go. Just for Nigeria. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's, it is. Uh, and, of course, with the involvement of training more and more people of different nationalities, and many of those who have trained first as translators into their own language will then become, when they finish the work in their own language, they will be trained further to become trainers and consultants for other languages. So all the time, you know, the work is spreading. But I'm afraid I can hesitate to say how many people are involved, but it's a lot. (laughs) But we need more. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's the question, too. The younger generation, are you seeing Mm -hmm. Bible translators, God calling them out of 
the yeah. younger generations. Yes, yes, indeed, yes. Yes, there's people seeing the potential and having a value in their own language. And it's quite a commitment, obviously. I mean, that's putting it mildly. You, you've got years yeah. of training, and in, in yeah. all likelihood, almost certainly, you're going to be living in another culture. How long does it roughly take to translate yeah. the Bible? Maybe just into, I mean, of course, it depends upon if there's a written version of the language, but to translate the Bible in just the New Testament. Even the New Testament, I would say, in a project where, you know, there's good, say, five years. Mm. Yeah. Ten years for the whole Bible. But that's a very general summary because it does vary a great deal. So it, But also, it's not only those directly involved in translation, it's also other supporters. Because, um, I mean, I couldn't be doing this work if I didn't have the support of my home church, particularly... And I do have a wonderful home church here in Goring who have supported since their support every every month for 50 years now. Mm. And um, so, and if there are people listening who could think, well, how could they contribute? They can look and see where are the people who could, who are needing support because in order to give their full time to Bible translation, they have to give up their other career. So you can be a partner you could be contributing in other ways as well. Praying, of course, not only giving, but praying is very important to have valuable prayer partners, faithful but prayer partners. So in that sense, pretty much anybody can become involved in this. Absolutely. Yes, everybody. <laughs> how have you stayed motivated all these years? In other words, how has the Lord sustained you in this ministry and what has kept you going kept you passionate exhilarated well i think partnership because it's teamwork and the joy of seeing you know somebody you've trained going on and getting enthusiastic and training others that keeps you motivated and also when people listen for the first time to language scripture in their own language i remember the story of one um, actually, he was a, a priest in Madagascar who um, said he first started translating the lectionary readings uh, every Sunday. You know, the Catholic Church and Anglican too, they have certain readings covering scripture. And he said he started translating the lectionary readings. And he said, saw that when people heard the lectionary readings in their own language, so their eyes lit up. You know, previously they'd been hearing it in French or whatever it was, mm -hmm. and uh, they, they just didn't understand. But when they heard it in their own language, you know, you could see the, the movement, the response happening. And I think that's one of the things, that is maybe the main thing that keeps you motivated, that you see people understanding the scripture and responding to it. You see people growing in their commitment to the Lord, coming to know the Lord, and of course also growing, keeping on growing because they have the Word of God that they can go back to personally, study it personally, study it in the context of the whole church, and that's what keeps us motivated. Mm. Mm. And so, uh, obviously, you mentioned your your church there, and and what is the community you're in there? 
Actually, there's more than one church, but the, the, the main one where I, in Gory, which has been my home turn, it's where my parents lived mm. and where I'm now still living. Um, and it's it's uh, it's actually it's called it called Goring Free Church. It was a church that began uh, really as an outcome of the Wesleyan hmm. Wesley brothers uh, preaching. Mm -hmm. uh, they and uh, the Countess of Huntington helped to found churches in places where there seemed to be no live churches. But um, I also have a, an Anglican church that has it's been partnering with me for years, giving a regular contribution, and also a number of uh, another church to and individuals and also groups. Um, there's, a, there's one group that has a they pray have a prayer meeting every month, or uh, for, well for Wycliffe in general, but I'm one of their particular people they pray for. So uh, you know it's all that uh, support is uh, extremely important. Couldn't go, couldn't live, couldn't work without that support. I'd like to ask you too: Are there people, whether modern day or in history, who've especially inspired you or influenced you in your, well, both in your Christian faith, but then also in your Bible translation work? Well, many individuals, but I think first, first person that comes to my mind, you mentioned him first, Tyndale. Mm. Those who were, you know, who've, who've translated where they were, they were persecuted for translating. They were considered to be a heresy. The, the Bible could be translated um, was was considered heresy and who gave their lives um, because they persisted in um, doing that work and that's because of their work that we first got the, the Bible eventually published as the King James Bible but uh, done the early versions out of which the King James Version came was was done under strong persecution and loss of life, and people in nowadays too. They're in some countries where um, people would not be allowed to translate. And you've you've explained that you've you're, you continue in your work using things like Zoom. You can still, in one sense, at least virtually, be be in yeah. Nigeria. Uh, can, can you talk about yes. what you're doing these days and the scope, the nature of of what your of your work? Well, that is mainly the these Zoom translation checking sessions. That the translation is being, you know, the workers, workers translation work is being done in Nigeria, and then we meet on Zoom. Actually, earlier today, um, we, we're finishing checking of the the new new translation of. Well, it's it's actually the revised translation of the Gospel of John, because the first. New Testament was published in the Adun dialect of, in 1980, and that's already through 50 years plus years ago. And any translation needs some revision. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean it was a bad translation before, but languages change, and also the desires of the people change. Um, in for uh, Mbembe the. The first translation was done when the church was was very young, and we made it very what I would say more like a good news translation, 
but now the church is more mature and they are wanting more like an NIV translation. So we're we're polishing and also any translation can be improved. So we're polishing and the New Testament will be, will be a new edition of the uh, the New Testament um, published before we hope for too long. Mm. And I should have asked you this some time ago, but uh, the Christianity Today piece on you and on your life, on your translation work, indicates that you're trying to translate not necessarily individual words, but more the meaning, like the NIV. Yes, absolutely, yes. Well, any translation, I mean, even King James, um, the same principle, they wanted to communicate, but there are things that have changed. I mean, in English, for example, the King James distinguishes between thee and thou for the singular form mm. and you for the plural. But we've lost that distinction in modern English. So we only use you for either singular or plural, which can sometimes be a bit ambiguous. So, um, yes, so that's why rev revisions are needed for translations as well. In, in the NIV, I think they refer to the, the, the kind of translation as a dynamic equivalence. Whereas, like, yes. the New American Standard is, what call, I think, formal equivalence. Is that right? In other words, it's more word well, yes. for word, and the NIV more, as you said, more the meaning of... That's right. But, of course, there's a, uh, there's a graduation, yes. So, I mean, any translation wants to communicate the meaning, but some are more literal to the original text. And we're blessed in English that we've got so many translations so we can compare... <laughs> yeah. oh. I mean, ESV, English Standard Version, NIV, and even NIV has got a new edition, uh, you know, since the, the update. Um, so we're, we're very blessed. Yes, but actually, when I, in the book, the first book I mentioned, the, train, the first Bible translation training book, um, we introduced the term meaning based because that seemed to be more meaningful <laughs> for understanding than dynamic um, or literal or dynamic. But if we say meaning-based, that means we're, our goal is to translate the meaning of the original so as distinct from doing it literally. I mean, you could do a transcription, a literal translation, but that's not really communicating. So we did introduce the term meaning-based and that seems to have been quite widely accepted now. Well, you have been doing this work for 50 years, 60 years, something like that? Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm getting old now. <laughs> <laughs> it seems almost like a ridiculous question. They raise it in Christianity today. Any thoughts of anything approximating retirement? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm very thankful that I can still work at home. I mean, I'm not. I I do have arthritis, quite bad the arthritis, and it wishes wouldn't possible to travel anymore. Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm still glad that I can still contribute, and I'm happier doing that, and be still being able to to work than sitting and twiddling my thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know about retirement, official retirement, but uh, I'm glad I can still be involved. Mm. In just a couple last questions, Katie, thank you so much for letting me keep you so long. For someone that's here listening to this and that might be sensing 
God leading, God calling them to look into this, to investigate it further? Any advice if someone is wondering if God is calling them? How can they discern that? Well, it depends on where people's um, situation is, but I think first of all, to know somebody who has is involved, or more than one person, just talk to them about it mm-hmm. and find out the different ways in which you can be involved. Because one person may have been made more in, say, translation; another maybe even in literacy and teaching people to read and something like that. So I think to find out and to write to write to the organisation. Most, I mean, in England, we have Wycliffe UK, and you know, in the states, you would have um, look look on your on the internet and see see what organisation groups there are, and just write and find. And and nowadays, there are often opportunities for going and visiting, just going and making a visit for go for a few weeks or just see what's happening. That may help you to really know, is that what I'm going to, should be involved in or not? So learn more about it, and that will help you to know whether or not to be, you should be involved, and also in what particular area you could best contribute. So if you, but if you, if you think it may be you, find out, don't stop and think it may be, find out, spend time to find out more, and God will clearly lead you as to whether it is right or not for you. God hmm. has a plan for all our lives. We're told, we're told that there are good works prepared for us to do. So uh, we need to find out what particular things uh, we've been prepared for, we've been given gifts for, that can be developed. And uh, that's our responsibility and our joy too. Hmm. Well, Dr. Katie Barnwell, my guest today on His People here on the Pilgrim Radio Network, and we've been talking about her lifetime devoted to Bible translation. You can read about her and about her work in the current Christianity Today. The piece is titled The Linguist. Well, Katie, as we wrap up today, I'm just wondering, how can our listeners pray for you and for the work of Bible translation? Pray that God's purposes will be fulfilled. You draw your attention that precious verse that there are going to be people from every language and surely that's God's plan so let's cooperate with God let's work with him to see his purposes fulfilled you've been listening to his people on pilgrim radio many thanks to today's guest Dr. Katie Barnwell linguist and bible translator she's profiled in the current issue of Christianity Today she spoke to us from her home in Goring in the United Kingdom Thanks for listening, and I hope you can join us again on Monday at the same time for another edition of His People.